this week on Hope for the Broken. When you read the Bible, you are hearing God's voice. It is the breath of God. Now, some people might say, wait a minute. How in the world is this breathed out by God? Well, what Paul wrote and what Paul penned, God spoke through him. And God supernaturally preserved this word so that you and I would be reading it today, gleaning from the truth spoken of it. Welcome to Hope for the Broken, the audio podcast ministry of Trinity Baptist Church in Mount Pleasant, Texas. I'm your host, Austin Mahoney. We exist to become a gospel-centered community, redeeming brokenness through hope in Jesus Christ. At Trinity, we believe we are all broken and in need of the redeeming hope found in Jesus. For more information about our church, visit us on our website at trinitytx.org. This week, we continue our series called What's in a Breath. Here's our pastor, Chris Wigley, with part two titled, The Breath of God. If you would, grab your Bibles and turn with me to the New Testament book of 2 Timothy. We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3. We launched a new teaching series last week that we've entitled, What's in a Breath? And last week we took a look at how God has breathed the breath of life into humanity. And that he did so to glorify himself. And it was his breath that gave us life. Today we're going to take a look at just the breath of God that is his Word And 2 Timothy tells us about that. But I'm just curious, how many of you have ever taken a ride in an Uber? How many of you, you know, okay. For those of you that don't know what Uber is, it's the new modern day taxi service, right? You no longer have to hail a taxi. Uh, you don't call a taxi cab. Anyone can become an Uber driver if they apply and they go through the process. And, and what you do is you download the app and you request an Uber driver, and you tell them where you're headed, and, and then they pair you up with, with a driver. Now, what's unique is in this app is that you see all the information that you need in order to get reach your destination. When you request an Uber driver, it will tell you where you will meet the Uber driver and how to get there. It'll tell you what the Uber driver's name is. It'll tell you what vehicle they're driving, what their license plate number is, so that you make sure that you get in the right vehicle. That's extremely important. And then it'll even get, show you what the rating is for that driver, everything that you need. In addition to all of that, it will show you the route that the Uber driver is going to take to get you to your destination and give you an estimated time of arrival. This is incredibly important. Now, when you come to uh, meet the, the Uber driver, you get in the vehicle and you see that they have the guidance there on their app too in the vehicle and they drive according to that. Now, if you ride in an Uber, it's my advice to you that you watch that very carefully because if you get off track, then you're in trouble, right? And you don't want to get off track. Well, in a lot of ways, the Bible is that for us. It is our GPS. It serves as our guidance. It gives us all the information we need in order to navigate this life, even in crazy, difficult circumstances. And so the Bible is extremely important. And here's the deal. If you get off track in the Uber or you ignore the directions in the Uber, chances are you'll wind up lost. 
The same is true when it comes to the Holy Scriptures of God. If we ignore the Holy Scriptures, if we do not uh, live our lives according to its guidance, we will wind up lost. And we will hear not God's voice, we will hear culture's voice louder than God's life and fill our minds with that we'll wind up lost. According to a recent study by the American Bible Society and the Barna Group, only 27% of American women and 24% of American men consider themselves to be Bible-engaged. This, this is how they define Bible-engaged. It is interacting with the Bible frequently in a way that leads to some life transformation. About 25% of our population are Bible-engaged. That, that's phenomenal to me because that means that 75% of people in our country are not Bible-engaged. They are uh, being transformed or downloading information from other sources outside of God's word. My goal today is to convince us of the importance of being Bible-engaged followers of Jesus, that we are driven by the holy word of God, and that we spend time in God's word on a consistent basis. My goal is to prove the value that Scripture comes to bear upon our lives. And I want to look at two truths about a Bible, and then I want to talk about a way to apply the message here today. So let's read our passage together, 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to zoom in on verses 16 and 17, but before we get there, let's, let's read the context of which Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy is a young pastor. And Paul has handed over the keys of this church to Pastor Tim, and he is equipping Tim. He's, he's encouraging Timothy as he is a leader of this church. And this is what he says, beginning in verse 1 of 2 Timothy 3. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to the parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. Now listen to verse 7. Always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. How much, like our culture and our day and time, does this passage sound? It's pretty striking, isn't it? It's like Paul is writing to the, to the believers of the 21st century not just the believers, not just Timothy of the first century. And we understand that culture is not just accidentally drifting toward God. Sin only moves us in one direction. It moves us apart from God, away from God. And we see that in our culture. And we will continue, apart from spending time in God's Word, to drift further and further and further away from, from Him. And so it's extremely important that we become Bible-engaged people. Now skip down to verse 14 and see Paul's instructions to Timothy in this descriptive world. Verse 14, but as for you, in other words, Timothy, you got to be different. You can't look like the world. How are you going to do that? He says, but as for you, continue 
and what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. What are the sacred writings? It's the, the scriptures, right? How you've been acquainted to the, with the Bible, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. He's saying, Timothy, in this crazy world, the Bible is going to become even more vitally important in your life and to you. And it is vital for us today, too, beloved, that we come become a people informed, driven by, and focused and rooted in God's Word. So the question is, why is this important? Why is this Paul's instructions to this young pastor? It seems kind of redundant, don't you think? Like, wouldn't this young pastor spend time in God's Word? He wants to remind Timothy, yet again, the power that is contained within it. In verse 16, he tells us why this is important. He says, all Scripture is breathed out by God. There it is, the breath of God. And is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Two truths in these two verses today that I want to point out. Number one is that the Bible is from God. The Bible is from God himself to you and to me. Paul says in verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God. Circle or underline that phrase, breathed out by God. That word in the original language is a compound word, theonoustos, put together. And it means the very exhale of God. When we read these pages, what, the words on these pages in, this, in the book of the Bible, what we're reading is God's voice. You're reading what God has spoken to us. And the very same breath that brought life to us is the same breath that recorded these words. And what that means is that this word is alive. God's breath makes things alive. And his breath, according to his word, has made the word of God come alive to us. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says this, For the word of God is living, and it's active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Listen, when you read the Bible, you are hearing God's voice. It is the breath of God. Have you ever said, man, I just wish I could hear God speak to me? You ever heard that? Like, I, I just wish in this situation, God, you would speak in an audible voice, that you would make it so abundantly clear as to what I'm going to do. Would you speak? And I feel like God's going, hello, <laughs> I am speaking. You're not opening the word in which I'm speaking. And so it's vitally important for us to realize that this is breathed out by God. Now, some people might say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is a letter from Paul to a man named Timothy. I mean, how is this God's word? Isn't this a letter from one human to another human? How in the world is this breathed out by God? Well, what Paul wrote and what Paul penned, God spoke through him. And God supernaturally preserved this word so that you and I would be reading it today, gleaning from the truth spoken of it. Scripture tells us how this happened. Second Peter Chapter 1, verses 20 and 22 says this, Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. 
Verse 21, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Yes, this is a letter from Paul to Timothy, but he was carried along by the Holy Spirit, and it is therefore a letter from God to you and me today. It is breathed out by God. Just like we use pen and paper to write down the the words in our minds or write down the affections of our heart, God used people to pen his love letter to you and to me. And so this is not just a letter. This is the very breath of God. Now, if the Bible is God's word, and we've already established the fact that it is, then there are all kinds of implications that come as a result of it. I want to mention two implications of this being from God and being his word. Number one, if the Bible is God's word, then it is true. If the Bible is from God, then it has to be true. By his nature, God cannot lie. If God lies, he ceases to be holy and he ceases to be God. Therefore, God cannot lie. And what he speaks is absolutely true. And God and his perfect word preserved truth for us today. Historic theological Christianity has always held that God conveyed, listen, his perfect, inerrant word to his people through other human authors. While God used the gifts, he used the ability, he used the background, he used the personality of human authors, he did so to record his perfect word. This is God's perfect word to us. Did you know Jesus held a high view of Scripture? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 18, tells us what Jesus thought about Scripture. He says this, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law, that means the Scriptures, until all is accomplished. And this view of Scripture is becoming increasingly vital for the church to hold on to in our day and time. We live in a culture that wants to redefine truth for themselves. And here's the very dangerous thing. In our day and time, we take a truth, and if we don't like it, what do we do? We modify it. Or we cancel it. We just strike it all together. This is a very dangerous practice. Because God's Word is true. And it means that if this is God's word, then all of it is true. Paul says all scripture is breathed out by God. That all in the Greek means all. Like all of it. Every word of it. There's not a section of this that is more true than the other. It is all God's truth. So if the Bible is God's word, then it's true. Secondly, if the Bible is God's word, then it is my authority. If the Bible is God's word and it is true, then it is my authority. It has the final say. I don't get to pick and choose the truths I like, you see. If I get to define what is true, then who's the authority? I am. But as believers in Jesus, we live in a kingdom where there is a king And King Jesus is the king of all kings. 
And since we align our lives and we live and operate in the kingdom of God, therefore we live by what the king has decreed. And what he has decreed is contained in his holy word, the scriptures, the Bible. I've heard people say that God's word is outdated. Needs to be modified a little bit to be current with the times. To which I say, no, no, it doesn't. It's proven itself true over the course of time. Culture is the one that has changed its truth over time. God's truth remains the same. And here, let me just say something. What was true of God's word a hundred years ago is still true of God's word. And it will still be true a hundred years from now. Regardless of where our society, regardless of what people view of the scriptures, it will still be our truth. Let me give you an illustration that proves that God's truth is greater than culture's truth. In in the 1930s, doctors were used to promote smoking cigarettes. I came across a a, uh, an ad from 1946 and it was a television commercial that said that nine out of ten doctors prefer camels right and it's showing doctors smoking well the reason why this was no big deal then is that prior to 1950 we had no data to suggest that lung cancer and throat cancer were tied to smoking but nowadays what do they tell us oh don't smoke right it could cause lung cancer And so culture has changed its truth. God's truth doesn't change. And while culture can flip-flop over the years, the Bible remains consistent, uncompromising in its claims to truth. In fact, the more and more we discover about our world, the more and more we learn that the Bible knows what it's talking about. There's not a single archaeological dig that has ever contradicted the Scriptures. Only to serve what to confirm the scriptures. And so God's truth is consistent and it's timeless. And here's my question. In a world where we are living in a sea of information and it's easy, as James says, to be tossed to and fro, to be a double-minded man tossed by the sea of information, where do you want to find an anchor of truth? For me, I want to find an anchor and I'm going to place my anchor in what has proven itself to be true. Amen? In God's timeless word. The way in which we say that the scriptures are authority means that we align our lives to it. We don't align the Bible to fit our lives. We have recently displayed pictures in our office and, and our, along with our vision statement and each of the three prongs to our strategy. If you're a guest, we would love to talk to you about what, what our vision is and what our strategy is. Uh, but we, we've hung pictures to support each one. And by the way, if you haven't been through our offices in a little bit, you need to go through. It's, it's really neat. I love seeing some of your faces on a day in and day out basis because we've captured our church in action and we've hung those on the wall. But we wanted them to be level. Now, I'm, I'm pretty like uh, OCD when it comes to that. So I went to E.T.'s office and I said, E.T., I need a level to make sure that these pictures are indeed level. And so this is the level that we used. Now, there's something interesting about a level, right? A, a level uh, has this little bubble in the middle, right? And it tells us when something truly is level. And if that bubble isn't in the middle, then what you're hanging isn't level. 
The first picture I put up on the wall, I took a step back and I said, oh man, I nailed it. That's level. And you know what happened whenever I put the level up to it? It was actually crooked. What seems to be level, the level says, no, it's actually crooked. And what seems to be crooked to me sometimes, the level says, no, it's actually level. The level reveals the truth about an object. The level tells us whether or not that, lev- that object is level or it is not. And here's the thing. When, when, a, when a level is showing that it's not level, we don't say, well, I disagree with you, right? We don't ever have that conversation with the level, do we? What do we say? We go, man, what I thought was level, it's, I guess it sure is crooked. Listen, the Bible is our level. It reveals to us what is crooked. We don't tell the Bible what is crooked. The Bible tells us. And when we read the Scriptures, beloved, here's what the Scriptures do. It reads us. And it reveals to us where we are in error. And it gives us an opportunity to correct our errors and to align them to the Holy Scriptures. The Word of God, listen, is our plumb line. It is what is true north. And so we must center around that. So if the Bible is from God's from God and it is His Word, then it is true and it is my authority. Now I realize that if you've been around church any length of time, this may sound uh, elementary to you. Like, yeah, duh. Yeah, this is we study the Bible because the Bible is from God and it's God's holy word. It's it's sacred. But do we live like that's true? This leads me to my second point. The Bible is not only from God, but the Bible is a timeless treasure. The Bible is a timeless treasure. The Bible is God speaking to us. Think about that for a moment. The God of the universe is choosing to reveal himself to speak to you and me. Does that not blow your mind? That God desires to speak to us, and he does through his word? Now, if we really believe that, wouldn't it change the way in which we approach the Bible? I mean, wouldn't it really affect the way in which we desire to read the Scriptures? On January the 23rd of this year, Tampa Bay Buccaneer quarterback Tom Brady threw what we thought was the last touchdown pass of his career. It was a 55-yard touchdown pass to wide receiver Mike Evans. And weeks later, Brady announced his retirement. And what was unknown at the time of that announcement was that he wasn't going to stay retired very long. And so that ball thrown in that touchdown pass became a highly sought-after collector's item. And on March the 13th, a man by the name of Ron Furman purchased that football for $518,628. A football worth more than half a million dollars. It became a treasure that someone was going to display. But that ball, it became worthless the moment that Tom Brady stepped out of retirement. Or what about Aaron Judge? Any of you guys at the game where he hit home run number 62? Any of y'all there? Watched it? On, uh, on TV, uh, man, and, and for us that are purists, 
baseball purists, you guys know what I mean? That was the real record, like the, the steroid era, you know, all of that. Uh, that's not real. But what Aaron Judge did was real, right? And, and, and you know, we, we were excited about that. Everybody was tuning in. And when he hit the ball, it was funny. In the, in the replay, you could see it, people jumping out of the stands in order to try to get this baseball. I read an article today. You know how much that baseball's worth? Two million dollars for a baseball that says Rawlings on it, right? It is so sought after. It's crazy that we would find value in those things. Because here's the deal. Who in the world is Tom Brady and Aaron Judge compared to Almighty God? But yet we value it because they've touched it? I mean, that's crazy, right? I mean, this is Almighty God's words. This isn't just him touching it. This is his very breath. And we need to view it as a timeless treasure. We have something from God. This is incredible. Consider what David wrote in Psalm 19, verses 7 and 10. King David. The law of the Lord is perfect, he says in verse 7, reviving the soul. Skip down to verse 10. He says, more to be desired than any gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Think about that for just a moment, what he just said. He said that God's word is more valuable than his next paycheck. Pretty remarkable, huh? Do we see it as the timeless treasure that it is? Verses 16 and 17 of 2 Timothy 3 again says this, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. It means it adds value to our lives. It's profitable. Well, what is it profitable for? For teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Paul says there's four ways that Scripture is profitable, that it's valuable, that it's beneficial to us. The first is in teaching. God desires to teach us, to reveal more of Himself to us. And the word teaching here means authoritative truth. The Bible teaches authoritative truth. So therefore, it teaches us what is solid, foundational doctrine. It teaches absolute truth. And by doing so, it exposes what is false. You know, counterfeiters determine a counterfeit bill by not studying all the different counterfeits, but they do what? They study the real thing so that they can easily recognize the counterfeit. So when we discover the real truth, then we can easily spot false doctrine. It's why it's valuable to our lives is for the teaching that it gives. The second benefit, Paul says, is for reproof. That, mean, that word means to rebuke, right? To convict, to convince you that you are wrong. In other words, the Bible calls us out on our stuff. It helps us realize our errors. It exposes my error. You know, a lot of people avoid reading the Bible. And you know why? Because they know it's going to convict them of something in their life. So they just choose to avoid it. That's not a very good practice. 
That would be like avoiding a doctor because you have a bump show up. Right? It's important to address the things in our lives that are in error. So the Bible is beneficial because of the teaching and the proof it provides. Thirdly, the third benefit is the correction it provides. Paul says it provides correction. Not only does the Bible call us out on our errors, but it also restores what is broken in our life. That word correct in the original language carries the, the idea of a broken bone being set back in place. Scripture not only reveals, uh-oh, you're broken, the bone is broken, but it goes a step further and it says, let me set it back in place. So the Bible is, is beneficial to us in those ways. Finally, number four, it's beneficial because of the training it provides. This is to say that the Bible provides guidance. It gives us instructions on how to live our lives. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In other words, don't follow your own truth. You'll wind up lost. Instead, verse 6, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. God will guide you and direct you. So my goal was to convince us of the importance of God's word. Do you see it? Do, do we understand it? It is God's breath, his voice to us. It is a timeless treasure worthy of the utmost value in our lives. So in the short amount of time that I have left this morning, here's what I want to do. I want to give you an application point, just one. In light of this truth, since the Bible is from God and since it is a timeless treasure, what are we to do about it? One truth, one application point. Read it. That's it. Sounds profound, huh? But read God's Word. God wants to speak to you. And He has spoken to us. All we have to do is read it. One of the excuses I hear people say, and that I've said myself, is that I don't have time. You know, we live life at such a breakneck speed and we fill our calendars to the hilt that we don't have time for the very thing that provides guidance in those things that we schedule. That's a, we do that at our detriment. But truth be told, reading the Bible isn't a time issue. It's a priority issue. Have you ever looked at the screen time activity on your iPhone? I was convicted to do this this week. And here's what I found. Okay, this is confession time, right? I spent five hours this past week on social media. Are you kidding me? That's like almost a full work day. Browsing social media. I spent four hours on email and another four hours on text messaging. And you might say, well, email and text messaging, that may be work-related but five hours on social media? Come on. It's not a time issue, is it? Let's be honest. It's a priority issue. It's because we don't value it. And if we are going to be a church that's going to be led by the Holy Spirit of God, we got to get in the Word of God. we got to be a Bible-engaged people. And listen, 
If there's one thing that I would love to be said of Trinity Baptist Church, it's, I don't know much about those people, but they sure are Bible engaged. They're all about the Bible. They're reading the Bible all the time. They're saying the Bible speaks to this. And I think that's the calling God has on our lives. It's the resource that he has provided us. Others might say, well, I don't spend time reading the Bible because I don't understand it. Can I tell you something? Welcome to the club. I have a master's degree in theology. And there are things in the scripture that still make me go, hmm, I'm not sure what that means. Right? Join the club. Besides, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the best interpreter of the scriptures living within you, the Holy Spirit. One of his jobs is to reveal the truth of God's word to us. We just don't take advantage of the resource. I'm confident the more we prioritize reading the Bible, not only will we come to understand it better, but we will see God's blessings on our lives at every turn. The Bible talks about how to manage money, how to have a great marriage, how to raise godly kids, how to be the best leader you can, how to manage your team at work, how to deal with difficult people, how to respond when the world's upside down, how to pray, how to build your faith, how to have true and lasting significance, and so, so much more. The Bible is value add to our lives. So let's read it. You know, one of the most important things that the Bible talks about is that there is a God that loves you. If you hear nothing else this morning, I want you to know that. The God of the universe loves you. Desires a relationship with you. But the Bible tells us why sometimes our relationship with God is difficult. Scripture says that our sin has separated us from God. And that brings devastating consequences to where we'll spend eternity. But the Bible doesn't stop with the fact that God loves you and that our sin has separated us from Him. It also tells us that God has provided a solution. That may be bad news, but the Bible gives us good news. The most famous verse in all the Bible, John 3, 16, says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but instead will have everlasting life. The Bible is good news. It points us to the source of truth, reveals that we're a sinner, tells us how we can restore our relationship with God. You're listening to Trinity Baptist Church's Hope for the Broken podcast. If you would like to learn more about this ministry, visit us online at trinitytx.org. That's trinitytx.org. Here's Pastor Chris to wrap up our time together. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad that you found this podcast. It is our prayer that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. It is our goal at Trinity to lead everyone into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have questions about what it means to trust Jesus as the Lord of your life, we would love to connect with you. Please feel free to give us a call at 903-572-1959 
or email us at info at trinitytx.org. If you are ever in the East Texas area, we invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. Thanks so much for listening today. God bless you. We pray that you have experienced hope today. If you would like to support the ministries of Trinity Baptist Church with a financial gift, you can do so by giving online. Simply log on to trinitytx.org and click the Give tab. Be sure to join us next week as we look into God's Word on Hope for the Broken.